0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. First and foremost, can I just say that this feels kind of like, uh, what's the word? Like, it takes a lot of audacity to come up here and do what I'm about to do because I, f- I feel like what we're doing in the School of Worship, Word and Worship, is we're starting a new module called um, New Creation Life. And I got a couple weeks ago got the honor of like introducing the module, but it's so ridiculous to think that we can fit God into, yeah. you know, a five-week course, yeah. you know, the new crazy, you know? And so coming up here, it's like I have such a big heart for God's heart and like it, that it'd be revealed for you guys. But can we all just be on the same page here that that's impossible to fit God in our brains? And so really what we're after here is just to get a little bit of an introduction to his heart and who he is. Okay, And to the point where it actually changes who we are. Okay, so if we walk out of here, it's not about like, I, I do want to give you some really practical points that will help your walk with God and maybe walk out of some things you've been frustrated with. But at the end of the day, all of it's going to be, we have a very good God. I mean, a really good God. I mean, and if, if you're hungry for transformor- transformation this morning, I have some great news. We serve a God. We have a father, like let me tell you about my dad. He's the one who takes blind eyes and he makes them see. Okay, he's the one, oh, I feel like that's a little more exciting. He's the one who takes dry bones and brings them to life. Like the people who were crippled in the Bible, he was like, you know what, get up and walk. And now they're leaping around. Like this is the dad, this is my dad. That's my dad. So um, yeah, if you want transformation, he, it's here. He's got it. All right, can I tell you, that's great news, all right? Um, but can I take some frustrating news? No one's really excited about that the frustrating thing is sometimes I read it in this big fat book and I get really mad that I'm not experiencing it. Okay. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go to second Corinthians chapter, um, five verse 17 and I'll read one of my most recent frustrations. Um, cause we're going into the new creation life and it's like, I've known about it for de- like a decade now, but I don't, I don't know if I've actually gotten to walk in it. It's frustrating when you read something like this to not be experiencing it. And so this morning, I kind of want to talk about how do we get from what we have access to in our laps with our big fat Bibles to actually experiencing it. Um, cool. So let me just read what frustrated me and then we'll go there together. Okay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, therefore, if anyone that's us, is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Okay. That's exciting. Everyone's like, "Mm, yeah, amen. (laughs) All things are new. But can I just tell you how mad I get sometimes when I find old habits in the way of me trying to love God? Or, or I'm hungry for new things, but it feels like old things are holding back. It's so frustrating to read this in this book and say, behold, all things are new. And it doesn't feel like all things are new. I'm not experiencing all things becoming new. It's, it's especially like, especially for people in who are like really love God and have like such a pure heart after God. It can be so frustrating because you can't reconcile how that's happening to have access to something, but not experience it. Okay, can I tell you a, a very close person in my heart I was in a similar situation. Actually, it was me and my son uh, for Christmas. I bought him this um, Transformer toy. Do you guys know Transformers? Um, the, the coolest one is Optimus Prime. And so I was really excited. To, I went on Amazon. I was like, get in Optimus Prime. The night before Christmas, I'm so excited for him that I wanted to like just see if it works. So I'm, I'm opening up to see if it works. And I found out, he's three and a half. I found out that the age requirement is like seven. <laughs> yeah. That's twice his age. So it, so I was like, well, I can figure it out. I'm 28. That's four times seven. So we're good with that. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to figure it out. 40 minutes later, like 35, 40 minutes later, I'm so mad. I'm telling you, like, I'm so mad because I can't get this Mack truck to turn into a robot like is on the pictures and the movies and the TV shows and the theme song. I'm like, this is a transformer. This should be transforming, but it's not. And so I'm sitting there so mad. You can ask Megan. I was so frustrated. I almost broke the toy and threw it away because, because I, I knew I had access to this thing, but I wasn't experiencing it. And the thing is, this thing that was meant to be a toy to bring joy is making me so mad. I could fist fight, you know, somebody. But, um, okay, it's funny, but like there are people in this room right now, me included, who are hungry for transformation. And we're just frustrated that we're not seeing it in our lives. Um, So let's talk about that. Okay, cool. Does anyone want to know how? Okay, me too, me too. I think one of the biggest things we can do that one of the first steps, um, is to let God be God. Okay? It sounds easy. Everyone's like, mm, yeah, let him be, yeah, amen, you know? <laughs> I hear you grunting. I believe me, I'm with it. Let God be God, yeah? But I'll tell you, um, the other morning, it was a couple of weeks ago, I heard the same grunting, but they weren't good amen grunts. They were like frustration grunts. And I knew them <laughs> because I made them Christmas Eve. I knew, I heard I heard my son fumbling with that transformer toy in the morning. Literally woke me up, he was like, argh, 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 argh. and I'm like, what is going on? I said, Bubba, can, can I can I help? Like, can, can you let me help you? Like, can I be your dad and help you? I, I practice this. I can do this. And he was like, no, I want to do it. And so he wasn't actually letting me be his dad. And, and so he didn't actually get to experience what he had access to because he would not let me be dad. So if he lets me be dad, then he gets to experience me as dad. Four times the age requirement. Super, <laughs> you know. I figured this thing. Six easy steps. <laughs> but I'm serious. It's funny, but there are some times when we get in these, in these situations with God and, and God is saying, please let me be your dad here. I know how to do this. You know what? I, I, I know how to do this. I can do this thing. Talking about transformation, I'm the one who makes blind eyes see and dead things come to life and you're stuck with this, you know, traffic on 66 that's bothering you and you're like, <laughs> and it's like, no, let me be dad. But, but the thing is, if we let him be him, we get to experience God as God. Does that make sense? Okay, let me give you a couple of verses that kind of kind of paint the picture a little bit more. Um, an example of like how we play our role of being kids and letting God be dad would be like um this verse right here. What's our role in this verse in 2 Corinthians 5:17? It says, you know, for all those who are in um, in Christ are a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold. All things that remain new, right? So what is our role in that? Behold, right? It's It's actually so easy to do, but sometimes I'll say from personal experience, I like to say, behold, and then I was like, I'll also take responsibility for the making all things new. I'll change my habits. I'll change my language. I'll change what I look at. I'll change it how, what time I wake up in the morning. I'll change what I wear. I'll tuck my shirt in to go to church. I'll I'll change, I'll, you want to do all these things to make all things new. And you know what? I'll even take rid of the, I'll get rid of the old too. I'll stop talking to this. I'll stop, I'll break this. I'll, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. Your role is behold. The rest is let God be God. Does that make sense? Okay, so if we mix up our roles, then we actually get in the way of God being God. We try and play God's role and, and then we get mad because he's not doing his job. It's like, well, you, you try to do his job. Okay, we won't go there yet. Okay, another verse is, um, another one, Isaiah forty three nineteen. Everybody loves this verse. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing, right? What's our role in that? Okay, one of my favorite ones is Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, Those who labor are heavy laden. Remember when Jesus is sitting there saying, you know, the yoke verse, give me your yoke. I'll give you my yoke. What is our role in that exchange there? He says, come to me. Okay. And then I will give you a real rest. Okay. So this is, this is how I do it. I'm just going to try and be, I know I have my shirt tucked in. I'm looking spiffy today, but I'm just going to be really raw with you. Sometimes I don't have my shirt tucked in and I don't, my stuff's not all together. And I'm actually super stressed from all the stuff I have going on that, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do God's job for him. I'm trying to take on the weight of my day and my responsibilities and all these things. And then I get home and I'm exhausted and I go, you know what? I'll give myself rest. If I just watch this, if I just eat this, if I just take a second and escape with this, if I just, and then it's like, I'm responsible for giving myself rest. No condemnation. But the thing is, I'm doing his job for him. He says, come to me and I will give you a real rest. Let him give you the real rest. You know, does that make sense? But when we take responsibility for our own rest, then we don't let him give us the real rest. We don't get to experience him as God. Does that make sense? uh, Yeah. I feel like God wants to ruin some things we've been settling for this morning. Um. But when we avoid, so in that in that context specifically, when we avoid coming to Him, we actually miss out on experiencing the real rest. When we avoid um, coming to Him, we trade the opportunity to experience this stuff for just having access to it. I know the toy can transform, but I'm not going to go to you, so you don't get to experience it. I know you can give me a re- real rest, but I don't want to come to you right now. Too vulnerable, too messy, too much. So you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Okay, so number one would be let God be God. And play your role, man. If he says come to him, come to him. If he says behold, behold. If he says don't say a word, don't say a word. Please, don't say a word. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. (sighs) Okay, cool. Um, uh, Let me see if I want to go there. God just helped me. There's no condemnation in this at all. I'm just saying from personal experience, there's some that helped me. In Matthew six, Jesus talks about that you can only serve one master. You can only behold one person at a time. So when we sit there and say, I'm not gonna let you be my dad. I'm I'm not gonna behold you. And we put ourselves in the driver's seat. He goes on to say that you'll either love one and hate the other. You either serve one and and just like detest the other. You don't want anything to do with the other. And so when we're serving ourselves, when we when we when we choose to follow ourselves and let ourselves be our own dad, our own master, our own god, then our lives become very small and self-serving. No condemnation. But sometimes I slip in that rut of like, oh, what about me? What about me? And I'm not ever trying to be there. But it's like those are the moments where I think myself, oh, I'm probably not letting God be God in that area right now. You know, when I start to get selfish, there's, no, there's no, no guilt. But seriously, like there's such a freedom when you have a good dad that can raise the dead. There's such a freedom when you have a good dad that can take things and transform them like that in an instant. I mean, relationships, things like that, that is not on you to transform. You can't. <sighs> okay. All right, we'll keep going. Okay, good. Only behold one thing at a time. Everyone good? Okay, cool. So here's the thing is when we get into this place of, um, of, uh of not letting God be God, I, you, what, what we'll do is, what I'll do is I'll start to do what Levi did with this toy, which is just bang, bang. I heard him just banging that thing. He was like, you should be a robot by now. And he's just like banging this thing. And he's so frustrated. But so many times I do that with my walk with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or 17, it talks about, behold, all things have made new or all things have passed away, right? And I'm sitting there saying, bang, bang, bang. Why can't I make these bad things go away? Why can't I make these new things pop up out of nowhere? And it's like, we have to let God, It's this is not, the verse here is not meant to be a chore. This can sound like a chore for us. You know what I'm saying? It's so important to catch the word behold. God doesn't say behave. He doesn't say you're, if you're in Christ, your new creation, then hurry up and behave. Old things are gone. New things are here. You better behave. He doesn't say it. He says behold. Why? Because if we behold, we'll behave different. I know because I've seen him. We like to make it about behavior, but what God is actually trying to do here is deal with our identity. He's trying to have access to our hearts. Um, I don't know if you know uh, what the word behold means because we're talking about like, okay, how do we play our role? Remember, in order to go from just having access to something to experiencing something, the key is beholding, right? What we're beholding. So how do we actually behold? I think it helps to know like the definition, um, which is to turn your eyes, your attention, and your mind towards something. Okay, so if I'm sitting here and I'm frustrated, if you're walking, you're here right now and you're frustrated, you're not seeing transformation, you're, you're, you know these things in the Bible, you're not seeing them in your life, then, then the invitation is, have we turned our eyes, our attention, and our mind towards God? Our eyes are kind of self-explanatory. It's whatever you see with your eyes. Yeah, it's the natural. It's, you, you see it. It's natural. Your mind, that is, we've been kind of learning about that. It's, it's, it has to deal with your heart. What makes you, you? It's, it's rooted in the spirit. It's a very spiritual thing. Okay. It deals with your identity. So turning my, my natural attention, my, my heart, my identity, who I am towards him. And then your attention could be, you know, either one. Sometimes I'm looking at you, but I'm thinking about something else. So it could be in the natural or the spirit. It doesn't matter. But everything inside of me from the natural to the spirit and everything in between, I'm turning towards God and giving him access to my, he's wanting to deal with our identities. Some of us have been avoiding it, me included, but I'm telling you, he's wanting to deal with our identities here. He's a good father like that. (sighs) anyone anyone excited to give him access see see i'm hungry for these things of god but i don't oftentimes feel comfortable giving him access to my heart okay but here's the thing is he's wanting to move through everyone's like i want to move of god where do you think it's going to come from the sky we want i seriously i would beg god i want to move of god and he's like i'm moving Seriously, I mean, sometimes it, it breaks my heart when he's that real with me, but it's like, seriously, he's, he's wanting to address our identity and deal with our identity. He's doing it through what we behold. The avenue he's addressing your identity through is what you're beholding, what you're turning your eyes, your attention, your heart, who you are to, what you're facing, what you're beholding. He's addressing our identity through that. Is that helpful? Okay, so then so then when we get into that ballpark of... of um, He's wanting to address our identity through what we're beholding. Um, It's helpful to understand that what we behold, we're going to become like. Um, If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Um, It's a verse that we love to quote the glory to glory aspect. I hear everyone say that. We're going glory to glory. I mean, you get a new haircut, people be like, you're going glory to glory. You know, they love that verse, right? But what happens before that is so crucial to understand how do we get from glory to glory? How do we actually get transformation? Okay, I'll race you there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Dang, done here fast. <laughs> all right. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says this. It says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're seeing transformation from glory to glory, but what does it start with? Beholding. But we all with unveiled hold, with unveiled face. Behold, they behold, and then they're transformed. They behold, and they're transformed. And that's why I believe it doesn't say in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. It doesn't say, "Behold, the old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new." It doesn't say that. It says, "All things have passed away." If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, the new. Because what you behold, you become like. We behold, and then we're transformed from glory to glory. I'm telling you, it's so exciting now, but it is frustrating if you don't get that. And then you're trying to walk with God. I'm saying from from personal experience, I used to try and change my behavior and I would look at, and people would come to me and say, oh, you're a new creation and everything has been passed away. And and oh, even Romans six, you're, you, you join in his resurrection, you join with his life or put off the old man. I'm saying, you don't know what I did this morning. You don't know the thoughts I had last night. You don't know how I treated my, you don't know. And I would hold on to what I've done wrong and then try and hold on to what he's trying to do new. And you can't do both. You can only behold one at a time and what you behold, you become like. So that's why he doesn't say behold the old and behold the new. He says, yeah, it's all things pass away. Behold, here's your role. Behold, all things are made new. That, see, the thing is, we love that verse. Uh, you know Isaiah um, forty three nineteen. It's like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Does anyone know Isaiah 43, 18? Donna? Okay, it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. We love, oh, God's doing a new thing in this place. We love it. We love it. But before he could ever do anything, he had to say, hey, stop bringing back the past. Don't even bring back what happened yesterday. We have to behold the new. One of my favorites is in Ezekiel. I don't, I don't think I gave this one. Ezekiel 36, it talks about I'm, I'm, I'm doing a heart transplant. Uh, your heart of stone for a heart of flesh, right? He, we all love that. Ezekiel 11 says the same thing, but right before it says that, it says, Get rid of your detestable idols. Get rid of them. Everything you've been idolizing, get rid of them. And then it says, then I'll return to you. You see, we have to, what we've been beholding and worshiping with everything inside of us, we have to say, nah, I don't want that anymore. And behold him. He's wanting to deal with our identities and he's going to do it through what we're beholding. (sighs) Okay, so it's so important what we're beholding. If you're hungry to have an experience of what we have access to, if you're tired of reading your Bible and getting frustrated, you're not seeing it in your life, it's so important to learn how to behold. Because what we behold would become like, Right? The other thing about beholding is this, what we behold, we behave like. Oh, my Lord. If anyone's in my family here, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. Here's how I know what you behold, you behave like. So we don't have to sit here and wrestle with our behavior because if you behold something, it'll change your behavior. Okay. Okay. Remember my three-year-old son, Levi. Um, okay, so he is the most, the best kid you've ever had in your life. Okay, I've I've heard nothing but great reports. Like when he goes off to my grandpa or his grandparents' house, my mom and dad's house, they come back and they're like, "Oh, he's so sweet. He says thank you. He's he's so honoring. He like prays for us. He's so sweet. Okay, he's the best kid. It's it's an honor to raise him. I've only gotten one bad report. Okay, and it was from my mom who came home and said. She said, you know, it was great. Everything was fine. But he kept smacking my butt and saying, you got a cute butt. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, I I was like, I don't know where he he probably learned that from, you know, prison or something. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where he learned in the streets. He might have joined a gang. No, he doesn't. I'll tell you, it's it's funny. But the thing is, we didn't teach him that. We didn't sit down and say, when you see your grandma, give her a tap on the butt and tell her nice butt. We didn't teach you that. What he does is he beholds his dad and then he behaves like his dad. I, I'm, not, I'm not like... A rocket scientist, but I'm, I'm watching this kid and I'm seeing, oh my gosh, I don't have to teach him to do, I mean, last week I talked about the cup spilling for vision fund or whatever. He, I didn't sit there and say, hey, make sure you annoy your mom today. I was like, he just watched his dad annoying his mom that day. And it's like, if we behold these things, we start to start behaving like these things. It's not as complicated as we make it. If we're beholding these things, we're going to start behaving like them. So good, come on. Yeah, thank God. The last time I taught this, my mom was actually here, and I felt terrible, <laughs> I felt terrible. Um, <laughs> so, so, all right, so, but does this, this makes sense though? Seriously, it, it's funny and it's fun, but I'm seriously, my, the whole heart behind this is that we would be introduced to his heart, okay? And I think that we complicate it so much that we don't actually get to do anything. We don't have to get to experience it. <sighs> From experience, man, I'm telling you, I've made it so frustrating, but really, once I found out my role is just to behold him, and I sold out to that and I let him be dad. I saw transformation overnight. Sometimes he'd meet me in my dreams. I'm talking about I would wake up in the morning a different person than when I went to sleep. Yeah. And if you want access to that, it's, it's gonna start with what we're beholding as we go to sleep. Yeah. Okay, so what would keep us from that? Because you guys seem really hungry. We talked about having experience versus just access. What would keep us from beholding him? Don't worry, I'll tell you. Um, I wrote it down like this. It's another kind of silly note, but just lock in here, okay? What would keep me from beholding God? Whatever I beholden. If I beholden fear, if I beholden anxiety, if I beholden insecurity, if I beholden pride, if I beholden on for dear life, my idea of what this should have been like this morning. Yes, so good. If I beholden the credit I should have got for that. If we're holding, if we if we're holding on to that for dear life, then it becomes really hard to behold God. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. If, if, this is the worst one. If I behold, if I'm holding on to what I've always known, it can get in the way of what he's trying to introduce us to. Yeah. <laughs> There's a new thing. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. The word new here in, um, in second Corinthians chapter five or 17, um, uh, the, the new creation, the, the word is kainos. Um, and what kainos means is it's, it's unprecedented. Okay. Yeah. remember, Remember here, okay, we're not, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a thesaurus or dictionary. I don't want a good teaching. We have a good God that I'm really trying for us to experience and to fall in love with. Okay. So if you hear this and your, your information brain gets all excited, don't, don't worry about it. It's the good stuff, but this is who we are. This is our identity that God's trying to deal with here. So when he says you're a kind of creation, he says you are an unprecedented creation, an uncommon creation, which means that you're out of the ordinary. Um, unprecedented means it's never been known or or done before. This is the type of creation we are. And I think that when we look at ourselves in that context of beholding who we really are, we're unprecedented, we're uncommon, we're out of the ordinary, we've never been done or seen before. That means that when God is walking us into something that's uncomfortable that we've never done or seen before, it's par for the course. It's who we are. It's our nature. We're that kind of creature. Like, you know, we we talk about, um, I think I told the story of, after football practice, um, these bats would come out because the lights would come off. We couldn't play football anymore. I mean, we couldn't feel, we couldn't see in the dark. Okay. But these bats had echolocation and they'd be like, or whatever. I don't know the noise bats make, but they make their bat noises and, and they would use that to see in the dark or to, you know, whatever. So these creatures would come out. And it's so funny because where we could not see, they came in and we'd throw rocks up and they'd swoop down and grab them and stuff. And it's like, that is the nature of who they are as a, as a creature. So what, for us, it, that's uncommon. That's unprecedented. How can you catch a small rock that fast in the dark? That's out of the ordinary. I've never seen that before. It's never been done before. Oh, but that's the nature of that creature. So when you talk about us being kainos, we're uncommon. We're out of the ordinary. Never been seen, never been done before. So this is par for the course for us when God is trying to take us into something we've never done before. And I believe he's trying to take us into something. You know, he's saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Does that help us embrace what God's doing? Because I think that sometimes we use those things as an excuse of, I've never done that before, so I'm not going to step into it. God, I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry, that's kind of of uncommon. So I'm not going to do it. It's not an excuse. It's who you are. You're a new creation. Okay. So I hope that helps us embrace God, okay? Okay. so we talked about what keeps us beholden, whatever we beholden, all right? Um, see, really what we're holding on to could be holding us back. Um, and we could talk more about it later if you want. But um, I wanna change gears to something even more practical of like, honestly, we could get up from here and go eat lunch and watch the Super Bowl and stuff. And you could say that was a good teaching and now I, can, I know I need to behold God. But what I've run into in, in studying this is that sometimes I don't wanna let go of what I'm holding on to. Just honestly and it's 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 really embarrassing how small of it could be. It could just be that I had a long day or like it's too early in the morning. It could just be that I didn't eat yet or it could be, um, it could be, I don't know, some of these things are. it's like, we love God, we love you so much. It's like, all right, just go pray for that person. It's like, ah, that's weird. <laughs> this is a Walmart. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's so crazy what we can, what we, it's like we'll hold on to our pride or whatever. And it's like, or even what someone did to us, there's unforgiveness there. And it's like, Well, I have every right to be mad at them, you know? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I'm not I'm not going for, I'm saying for me personally, I I want to be real about this because we can walk out of here and say, I got it. And then we go to let go of something go. And we have this death grip on it, white knuckle in it, you know? it's like, so how do we change how we see what we're holding in our hands? How do we get to a place where it's like, you know what, actually you're worthy of this. Do you want to know? Come with me to Revelations chapter four. This is the same place. I think it's right after the chapter where God says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. I love when he knocks on my heart. Okay. This Revelation chapter four, verse four. It says this. It says 24, and this is what's happening in heaven. So if you see God being worshiped, you know, that's what's going on. 24 um, thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were clothed with white and had gold crowns on their heads. I'm gonna jump down to... Um, Verse eight, the second end of it says, day after day and night after night, they kept saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was, who always was, who is and is still to come. Whenever the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. So we want to know how, how do we change what we, how do we change how we see what we have in our hands? I don't want to let it go. I'll tell you with these elders around this throne, a crown seems so appropriate on your head until you see the King of Kings. It makes so much sense on my head. It's a crown. It's made for my head. <laughs> but the second you see a king of kings, you're like, no, it's just, this should not be here. It feels wildly inappropriate that a crown is on my head when I see the king of kings. Yeah. What we're beholding changes how we see what we've been holding on to. If we behold the king of kings, I'm telling you, I'll say from 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 even in here, sometimes I walk in here uh, uh, and I, and I'll be in worship and it's like, I don't want to worship. I don't. I'm not, not all the time, but like, but there are times where I'm like, I don't want to worship. It feels like a waste of my time for whatever reason. I could be distracted. It could be the song. It could be something someone said to me, whatever. But there are times where it feels like a waste of my time to worship. And other times, like this morning, I was like, you are worth my whole life, God. What changes between it being a waste of time and being worthy of my time? what changes between a crown on my head and a crown on the ground? The only thing that happened between a crown on their head and a crown on the ground was they looked at a king on a throne. That's it. That's all. No one came in and smacked it off. They didn't have a shot caller to give them negative reinforcement or say, good job. Hey, come on. There was no positive. There was no behavioral correction. There was a beholding that happened. That's it. We're sitting here trying to beat ourselves into submission. And listen, I'm telling you, if you look at a king on a throne, your crown will just fall off by itself. It'll change how you see. It doesn't make any sense to have it on your head. And that's what, sometimes I come in here during worship and I'm sitting here thinking, it's not worth my time. What am I beholding then? No shame, but I'm seriously thinking, it's not worth my time. Mm. It's about me. I can't wow. believe, it. you're going to expect me to come and sing these songs after how they treated me? Wow. Come on now. And it's, no, I'm not taking shots. I'm saying, this is real stuff we wrestle with. How, how do you expect me to, how, we even do it with our friends and spouses sometimes. It's like, I, oh, I can't believe you're going to ask me that, you know? <laughs> Can I just give a quick plug to my spouse too while I'm there on that subject? You don't know. You don't see her. You don't see her. You don't know. There's like, sorry, I'm not getting mad at you guys. I just want to say I love her so much. There's nobody, like you don't see her a ton here, but like who has a wife that will get up in the middle of the night? I'm talking about the middle of the night to pray for you guys. Like she's up 12 in the morning. She's got a little baby. She should be like sleeping. So she, but like she's up and she's pouring her heart out before God for you guys. That's my wife I had do you know why she would do something like that? Because you're, she's got her eyes fixed on something that's worth her time. Yes, it would be such a waste of time for her if you look at her, her perspective, but she's beholding a king that says, oh, I know how much you love. Him. <sighs> Thank you for letting me brag about her. Okay, so what we're beholding will change how, we, have, how we've seen what we've been holding. Does that make sense? It, it, how do we shift from worship being a waste of my time to worth of my time? Is, I, it's what I'm beholding. Am, am I beholding a king? I think, does that make sense? I don't know how much time I have. I can leave if you want me to, but I, I feel like, there's, there's, like there's, one, there's one more thing I, I think I want to say at least, and that is what we do with what we're holding on to really matters a lot, a lot more than I knew. Um. you know, okay, hold on. What we do with what we're holding on to matters a ton. Yes, because what we behold we become like, and yes, because what we behold we actually behave like, and yes, because whatever I'm beholding would change how I've seen what I've been holding on to. It's wonderful things that fit like in notes and stuff, but I'm saying for us as a body, what we do with what we're holding on to matters so much. If, if you look at the rich young ruler story, in Mark chapter 10, we don't have to go there just for a second time, we don't have to go there. But Mark chapter 10, verse 17, you have this rich young ruler and his behavior was immaculate. Jesus and him were having a conversation and he says to Jesus, I've done all the commandments since I was a young boy. you know how hard that is? I remember being a young boy and telling God, I'm not gonna sin today. I'm gonna make it a whole day without sinning. I'll make it two days. And it was so hard, and to think that it is so hard to keep all God's commandments sometimes. And the thing is, He's done it since he was a young boy. His behavior was chef's kiss behavior-wise. And Jesus looks at him and says, I ah, sell everything, pick up your cross, and follow me." And he gets sad and he walks away. I thought to myself, how in the world? It's so hard to keep his commandments. How is it easier for someone to keep God's commandments than it is to let go of possessions? How is it easier for me to keep all of God's commandments than to let go of all my possessions? How? I'll be on Facebook Marketplace so fast if that was a trade-off. How is it easier to keep God's commandments than it is to let go of possessions? I believe... I believe it's easier for me to behave for God than it is to be vulnerable with God. I, for me, at least, I believe it's so much easier. Or I'll say for us, it can be so much easier for just to say, God, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'll behave for you. I'll be your good Christian boy for you. I'll read the Bible. I'll go to church. Look at my attendance. I'll tuck my shirt And Whatever you say, I won't look at this. I won't do this. I won't say those words. I won't. It's easier for us to behave for God than it is to actually give him access to our hearts, to turn and behold him and say, here's my identity. You can touch it. You can do it. To be vulnerable with him. It's actually, it's almost a weird reflex for me sometimes is when I feel like I don't want to be vulnerable, it's, I'll just get all my ducks in a row. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say old things that pass away, get your ducks in a row, all things that made new. He doesn't say, get your ducks in a row, I'm doing a new thing. Your behavior matters. Don't get me wrong. The Bible's full of, I mean, you go to Proverbs, your behavior has implications that are beyond what we can wrap our heads around. Your behavior matters so much, but your behavior is gonna be indicative of what you're beholding. Yes. One. And, that, and beholding, it means I'm giving him access to my heart. See, the rich, oh, the rich young ruler had all his stuff together, all his ducks in a row, and Jesus was like, it actually says word for word that he says he turned to him he says, and he loved him. And he says, listen, your behavior is wonderful. Good job. But I want access to your heart. I want access to your identity. I told this, I, I talked, to, we, we, there's a story in the Bible in um, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and 37. And in um, Mark chapter 14, verse four and five. And it's the story of the immoral woman, the, the sinner, the, the Bible calls her, who goes in, hears that Jesus is at this place. The Pharisees invited Jesus over to their house. And, and um, when Jesus gets there, he's sitting down to eat. And this immoral woman, this sinner comes in, takes this alabaster jar, years worth of wages, so expensive. She breaks it as his feet, crying, weeping, f- washing his feet with kisses, with, with her hair. And, and the fragrance of this, this, um, this letting go, the place. And these Pharisees who invited Jesus over are saying, why is she wasting this? And she walks out. What's crazy from that story, she walks out and Jesus says, your faith has saved you. He says, you are forgiven. So she walks into this place, a sinner, an immoral woman. The Bible, the name of the chapter is like an immoral woman or a sinner or whatever. Her name, she walks in a sinner. She walks out saved. What happened between her walking in a sinner and her walking out saved? What happened between her walking in a moral woman and walking out forgiven? What happened? All she did was let go. She was holding on to this prized possession. The thing that the rich young ruler couldn't do. She did not come in there and earn her forgiveness. She didn't come in there and earn her salvation. She came in there and made room for it. All Jesus was looking for with the rich young ruler was just a little bit of room. He said, Yeah, you behave perfectly. And some of us are like, Yeah, I behave so. Some of you guys are real great people. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But God is not looking for well behaved kids. He knows you'll behave well if you behold Him. I know this because oh God, I think. I know this because I saw Saul and David in the Bible. They both were given these these things of Saul was told to kill a king and David was told not to kill a king. Both given instructions. One was a man after God's own heart and one wasn't. David, all he did was behold God. That's all he did. Even when he messed up, he'd go back to beholding God. And what happened is David's heart turned and his behavior followed. He didn't do the right thing at first, but then he said, Oh my gosh, it hurts my heart so bad that I would even, that I would even cut the cloth of my, of the Lord's anointed. And he goes back to and repented. His heart is turned. See, the, the goal is not from God. The goal is not perfection. We can actually be doing the wrong thing on paper, and because we're beholding God, we can feel in ourselves and say, "Ah, it's my heart is troubled." Word for word, it says that David's heart was troubled because of what he's beholding. Oh, this doesn't make sense. The same way those people in heaven are saying, "Oh, this crown makes sense." Oh, wait a minute, no, this doesn't make sense. (sighs) Does that make sense? Uh, Okay. Okay. See, we're built to behold. So even though we we'll go back to the rich young ruler story of like, you know, it's easier to behave for God than it is to get, be vulnerable with him. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's way easier. In fact, I do it sometimes, but I think we have this naive approach to it that thinks that if I'm not being vulnerable with God, then I'm not being vulnerable with anything. If I, like, Here's the, here's the idea. If I just behave really well, then I don't have to give you access to my heart. And then we think that our heart is just sitting there vacant. But we're built to behold so if we're not giving God access to our heart, then we're giving something else. I can tell because he was asked to get rid of his possessions and he got so sad because he couldn't because that, his possessions took the place of his heart. So we may think, I'm just going to avoid this conversation with God. I'm going to avoid this vulnerability with God and think that we have it all figured out. But something is taking that place in our heart because we're built to behold. So we look at the lady, the immoral woman who got forgiven. It's like all she did was make room for him. She let God be God. She let go of what she has been holding on to. <sighs> okay. I think that's all I want to say. I might end with one story. I don't know. I don't know how much I, I might end with one little story, um, but I'll close my Bibles for this one. Um, you guys are facing some things I have no idea about personally and like maybe in work or something. I don't know what you're facing, but I think a good first step is, um, you look at those people in Revelation and they're sitting there giving their crowns to God. What happened before that was they heard these other creatures saying, you know, I'm giving you honor and thanks and glory. And so if you're in a situation where it's like, I I have trouble letting go of this. If you get around people who are, giving honor and thanks and glory to God, it actually, you start to say, oh my gosh, this makes sense in my head. It's easier to let go of. So when I'm in a situation where it's like, I'm having trouble letting go of something, I just start there. Either I start to give him honor and glory and thanks, or I start to sh- get around people who are doing it. Is that, is that helpful tip? Okay, cool. Um, and, and you look at the more woman, she came and she dropped on her knees and she, and she worshiped Jesus. And I'm saying, I think sometimes that's the first step. It's like humbling ourselves before God and just saying, God, like, you're worth my attention, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't look like a tr- like no one's gonna sit there like like on the st- people are like you know you talk great you know you're on the stage you had your shirt tucked in you did great whatever. But this is the stuff that happens in private when no one's looking. Like we love the stories of like Jericho's walls falling, but way before those walls fell in, in chapter five, Joshua fell on his knees. He fell on his face. Walls will fall when we fall. We want this move of God, but it's like, we're sitting still. I'm not trying to beat you guys up. I'm, I'm saying me personally. I'm hungry for it. I'm hungry for it. And sometimes I don't know what to do. So I'm just giving you guys something to do when you leave here. Find a place, fall down on your knees. I'm saying, uh, behold him. Play your role. If he says, come to him, come to him. If he says, behold, behold. If he says, If he says, walk around that thing and don't say anything, walk around that thing and don't say anything. If he says, take your shoes off, take your shoes off. Be, this is holy ground. You can't even carry a trace of where you've been into where I'm going. It's such a small role. It's such a small practical thing. But he had to take his shoes off. It's holy ground, and I believe with everything inside of me, where God's taking us, we have to take. We have to take our shoes off. We have to fall on our knees. We have. We don't. We cannot take even the trace of where we've been into where He's taking us. I don't know what it looks like for you individually, but let's just pray about it, okay? Jesus, I thank you so much for every individual journey represented in this place. I thank you for every testimony of your goodness. I thank you for every testimony of your faithfulness. I thank you for the heartbreaks. I thank you for the things that people are even avoiding right now as we speak. That you're such a faithful God, you've never walked away from us. And we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for your presence that's never left us that's here now, and we choose to turn our hearts towards you, to turn our eyes towards you and our attention towards you now and behold you and to let you be God. I thank you that you're doing a new thing in this place. And whatever our role is, if it's just taking our shoes off, if it's just letting go of something, then I thank you for letting us know and we step into it fully. We do our role and we let you be God. There is a move of the Spirit happening in this house and we honor it with everything inside of us now. Only you could do it, God. So we fall at your feet and say, have it all. The most, whatever you need, you can have it all. You're worthy. We give you honor. We give you thanks. We give you praise right now in Jesus' name. And thank you for giving us access to such wonderful things. But I thank you for walking us into actual, a lifestyle of experiencing it in Jesus' name. Amen.